Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Brian Charles, the founder of KetoneBodies.com, the nation's first and only regenerative agricultural keto meal prep company. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Seth. Greatly appreciated. So let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get into not only the meal prep space, but why the regenerative agricultural keto meal prep space? Uh, I was stuck on the East Coast. My mother it was on the West Coast and she has Parkinson's. And I firmly believed and still do that every major chronic condition out there, the root cause is ultimately food. And that while that's the, uh, that's the cause, the solution is also in food. So I initially became a primal health coach through the primal blueprint. I loved the material. That wasn't enough. I started working on a master's in nutrition. But the one thing I discovered is that regardless of how much research you do, regardless of how much information you have, if it's not applicable to someone's life, it's really not helping them. So I was going to send the meal. You know, I was going to make the food myself, send it to my mother on the West Coast. Uh, I was teaching myself a little bit about search engine optimization because I knew I wanted to be a nutritionist at that time and I wanted to have my own website. And I just kind of looked at the data and was like, this is, you know, this is a genius idea. And we were literally the first ones in the country to do it. Um, I've always had a commitment to having the absolute healthiest meals possible. Uh, so we've always started out with organic, always started out with grass-fed beef, things of that nature. But what I've discovered is that an industrial supply chain with regards to food, even if it has certain labels on it, like organic, like grass-fed, doesn't always mean that it's healthy. And sometimes, you know, a lot of the times it's just an industrial gimmick. And I read The Omnivore's Dilemma and I was happy um, when I came across regenerative agriculture. And that to me was just the aha moment where it was like, this is what I need to have the healthiest meals out there. And from there, it's been an absolute like amazing learning experience where I've learned that what's healthiest for humanity is also what's healthiest for the planet. It's opened my eyes to how there's a symbiotic relationship between us and the environment. And that when we source food from an industrial supply chain, it's a zero sum game where it seems like our benefit is coming at the expense of the environment, but we're learning lessons the hard way that ultimately what's at the expense of the environment is also at the expense of us too, so. Wow, so we're gonna unpack that because you put a lot <laughs> into that answer. Sorry about that. That's yeah. okay, that's all right. I appreciate the fire hose. So yep. let's go back a little bit okay. for our folks watching who aren't familiar with the space. What is regenerative agriculture? 
So regenerative agriculture is a way of growing food that is completely independent of any sort of industrial inputs. And what that means is that rather than going to a field and having to replenish it with nitrogen or replenish it with phosphorus or whatever else actually goes into food, instead you foster the natural conditions so that nature are, is putting all of those elements back into the soil. And the beautiful thing about it is that while you're taking something from that field, from the environment, because you're creating these conditions that are fostering these elements going back in, what you're taking is equal to what's being put back in. How we grow food now in an industrial manner, it's just simply more inputs equals more outputs. And the problem with that is that the inputs will run out and it's not a sustainable system. And then the other problem with that is that in nature, there is no waste. Whatever your output is, you don't have any byproducts. Everything goes back in to another holistic cycle. And how we grow food now, we have inputs that are essentially drying up that are not sustainable. And then we have waste products. We have byproducts that are not going back into the system. So it's a twofold harm on the environment. One, that you're mining these inputs rather than creating a holistic cycle. And then two, you're starting to have things um, like pollution, waste matter, things of that nature. So regenerative agriculture, it regenerates, it's sustainable. And how you do that is through mimicking nature. Okay. So let's pretend I'm going to grow, grow some, that I'm not in Buffalo, New York, where it's covered okay. in snow <laughs> and I'm out where it's sunny by you. And okay. I go plant a whole bunch of vegetables in my backyard and make a garden. Yes. And I water them and I put the seeds in, I water them, they grow, I harvest them and that's it. That's not, that would be natural, right? If I'll, I didn't add anything, I didn't take anything away. What, when you keep saying the word industrial and obviously it's a bad word. Mm -hmm. So when a farming conglomerate, when a Monsanto yes. or what some mega farm that owns 10,000 farms, what yes. are they doing that's bad, that, we're that that is wrecking the land, that I as just one guy in my backyard with a packet of seeds from Home Depot is not doing bad? So the reality is, is that there's only so much nitrogen, there's only so much phosphorus, there's only so much of what goes into a plant in the soil. And when you grow food on a plot of land and you continue to grow food on it, you have you can do one of two things. You can go out and you can get these industrial inputs from companies like you just said, Monsanto, where you're getting when this- When you say input, is that like a fertilizer? Like a that... fertilizer, okay. yes, absolutely. Sorry, a fertilizer. I'm translating you yes. into English. Gotcha, so phosphorus, potassium, um, and nitrogen, those are the three elements that everybody thinks like, oh, if you just put that in your soil, you'll be able to grow food. And while that's true, what we know is that if you focus on the microscopic life in the soil, that microscopic life will see to it that all of those elements are being put back in there naturally. So if you were growing food in your backyard and you weren't you know, growing these giant monocrops and just trying to get as much yield as you possibly could out of that land, and you were focusing on your soil health, you would be able to continue to grow food in an independent manner, meaning that you didn't have any external fertilizers, external um, outputs, inputs to put on that land because you had healthy soil. And what we know is that the microscopic life in the soil, it brings nitrogen out of the air and it'll take that nitrogen, it'll fix it into a 
into a state that the plant can use. And the plant will then take a molecule of glucose and it'll exchange it with that microscopic life for that nitrogen that it needs. And it also does that with microscopic life that secrete enzymes that break up the bedrock underneath the soil so that you have all the trace minerals in the plants too. And it's the same symbiotic relationship where the microscopic life is taking something that the plant needs, whether it's nitrogen, whether it's phosphorus from the bedrock, and then it's exchanging it with the plant for a molecule of glucose. That's very important for two reasons. Every molecule of glucose that that plant is making and exchanging with that microscopic life, that's carbon being pulled out of the air and being put in the soil. And one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that the legacy load of carbon in the air from how we grow food is literally bigger than the legacy load of carbon in the air from the burning of fossil fuels. So everyone's concerned about, oh, I wanna you know, limit my fossil fuel consumption, I'm gonna get an electric car, but nobody looks at the refrigerator and says, well, wait a minute, what's the carbon imprint of the food that I'm consuming? And that's another aspect of what regenerative agriculture is all about is that it's healthier for the environment. And lo and behold, everything out there, um, if it's healthier for the environment, it's healthier for us. One of the things right now that's going on with coronavirus and every other chronic condition out there, it's related to the immune system. The reason why this is happening is because food doesn't have in it what it's supposed to have, specifically trace minerals. And the trace minerals like zinc are what your immune system uses to keep you healthy so that you can fight off something like the coronavirus. But if you grow food in an industrial manner where you're going in there, you're putting nitrogen on the field, you're putting the phosphorus on the field, it kills the microscopic life and then the plant doesn't have everything that it needs and then we don't have everything that we need thereafter. Okay, so it sounds like there's a whole lot of chemistry, science, biology, some physics behind all this process that we probably as just food eating Americans have no clue about and totally take for granted. I yes. think the, I, I think your analysis is, sounds like it's got a ton of research behind it and I, the thing that sh shocked me just now was saying that the carbon footprint of how we produce the food that we eat is worse than all the cars on the road and all the oil and gas, which yep. sounds to me like a huge national global problem in yes. another pandemic. And food doesn't have in it what it's supposed to have in it and is thus contributing to our chronic state of dis-ease yes. as a world. So you discovered this, you obviously did a ton of research, you got advanced degrees, you said, I'm going to fix this problem, started out trying to fix it for mom. Yes. And then said, hey, I think I'm on to something here. Talk a little bit about how you started the company. Mom was obviously your first customer. Talk yes. about how the, how the rest of the growth has gone. So I initially was um, was hesitant to start the company. I didn't think that I could do it. I thought I needed massive amounts of capital. And there is a person that I follow on Instagram and she managed to start a company with pre-order um, pre money. And so I looked at it and I was just like, how can I do this? And so I went out, I taught myself how to build a website. It was on a very simple platform initially, Wix. Then we went to big commerce. I just went out and figured out how to do things myself. Um, I watched the SEO webinar where they were just trying to give you the webinar, just trying to give you tidbits of information to get you to sign up, you know, and pay the thousand dollars. And I just took what I could out of that webinar, started doing my own outreach, um, which results in backlinks and things of that nature. I just wanted to do this. And so I said, how can I do this? Um, with pre-order money, with getting, you know, the people to pay for the orders up front. And it started off small. I was initially in a culinary incubator space, which meant that I was going into a commercial kitchen, paying an hourly fee, 
um, having to pay for the food up front, this, that, and the other. And the business just slowly grew. And then as it grew, now you're getting accounts on terms with vendors. You know, that's typically how food businesses work. So you're getting um, net 30 terms. So they'll drop the food off to you, which means you don't have to pay for 30 days. So it made it easier to run the business out of cash flow. And, you know, it's, I, I, what I tell everybody who's trying to be an entrepreneur is that, you know, you will do your best work when your back is against the wall and you have to figure out a way. If you are waiting to start your business, if you're waiting to be an entrepreneur until you, you know, get a hundred thousand dollars in seed money or, you know, whatever that ideal list that you have is, guess what? You're never going to start when you just get out there and you jump in that fire and you're okay with the burn, like that's when all the impurities are gonna burn away. That's when you're gonna find out what you're really about. And that's when you're going to be successful. And that's the one thing that I always try to share with people that are trying to do a project, trying to be an entrepreneur. And, and that's the one thing that I've noticed is that entrepreneurs are okay with not having an answer right away and still starting something because they know they're gonna to get to that point and they're gonna figure it out along the way. Awesome. Um, you could also be a speaker in your spare time. So how has your passion is obvious. It's, oh, it's incredible. What do you like best about what you do? Um, I love having conversations with customers. Um, I, you know, one of the most memorable moments, a customer call us the phone and she was crying and I was just like, oh my God. God, like, what do we do? Like, was there bad meat in there? Did I get somebody sick? And she had just gotten back from her oncologist. She had stage three cancer. I think she had already done two rounds of chemo. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, as a person does more and more rounds of chemo, you know, their chances of survival, this goes down and down. And if you can stop it too, it's like, I think it's like 80%. It, it, it's a much higher number um, as far as your survival rate. And so she had just gotten back from her oncologist and her oncologist told her that she didn't have to do her last round of chemo. Um, and he said that he thought it was absolutely because she was eating our meals and she was, you know, in a state of ketosis. And, you know, I, you know, I started this doing it for my mom and, and, you know, I had seen the way it had helped her, but to hear a person that was, you know, a stranger on the phone and she was calling me up crying. I mean, that was honestly one of the most memorable moments uh, of my life. That's what I love is just knowing like, it's not, you know, I've sold cars before. I, you know, I really enjoyed selling cars because a lot of people came in, you know, it was in California. It might've been the first nice car they were able to buy because they got a tech job or whatever. That's a nice experience to share with people, but there's something about food that's just so intimate. Um, when somebody buys a meal from you, they are trusting you with their most valuable possession, which is their health. Um, and I just, I love people providing us with that trust and just getting to share um, that personal experience. And like, you know, that's what I tell people all the time. Like, it's not just food, it's your identity, it's your health. It's a reflection of the kind of world you want to live in. Like it says so much about you. Absolutely incredible. I will fully admit we have a freezer full of your food. It is absolutely delicious, which is also important in the consumption aspect. So uh, we greatly appreciate your time. We know obviously you're incredibly busy today as we're recording this is shipping day and you've got a ton <laughs> of meals to ship. Uh, for our folks who wanna learn more about your movement and sample your amazing food, where is the best place for them to go? So the website is ketonedbodies.com. Um, I'll spell it because a lot of people don't know how to uh, spell it. It's K-E-T-O-N-E, -E, D as in dog, and then bodies, B-O-D-I-E-S.com. And that's the website. We have a blog. Um, I'm always on the chat feature. If you have any questions, hit me up. You know, I'd love to answer any questions anybody has. Awesome. There's also check out the Purpose Driven Plate podcast, which Brian hosts as well. This has been Seth Green for Sharkmanure with Brian Charles of KetoneBodies.com. Brian, thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me.
Thanks everybody for watching or listening and we'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.